Hi, I'm Zeeland. Like, actually, this isn't AI or anything. And you're listening to the Thousand Hours Podcast. Hello and welcome back to A Thousand Hours, a podcast all about football manager. And I know what you're thinking, but don't worry, Alex Towles is still the host of A Thousand Hours. He's not mysteriously vanished and nor has he been kidnapped. We will be hearing from him soon, but like with the last episode that we did a month ago, this episode is too big to upload to a cast in one part. And so, once again, we are coming back with a part one and part two format. In this part, you will hear all about Alex Tamp Brown's continued journey in Liechtenstein with the Duds and with the national team as well, and then Alex Towser's long running journey with Taunton Town as he tries to turn them into the best team in England, which, let's face it, they really should be in real life. Anyway. So that's all coming up in this part. In the next part, you'll hear about my journeys in Leon and by the way, I'm Alex Woodward, just in case you wanted to know. You'll hear all about my journeys in Leon and also the Going Deutsch Edit Save, which has all of us in it, as well as Ted Lasso as well. But for now, grab the drink of your preference, sit back, and I hope you enjoy part one of episode nine of the Thousand Hours Podcast. Hello and welcome to A Thousand Hours, the podcast by people who like to sit around and talk to each other about Football Manager, for people who like to sit around and talk to each other about Football Manager. I'm Alex Towles, and as always, I am joined by two other people called Alex. First up is a man who would like to apologise for how terrible his audio was in the last episode. Hello, Alex Tam Brown. Oh, hello. I, I do apologise for the jet engine that was behind me. I worked out what it was, so I've hopefully cut that out now. I mean, hopefully you did. Jet engines are quite big and very loud. Yeah. Pretty obvious. Not good for the health. And secondly is a man who would like to apologise for how long it took to get the last episode released. Hello, Alex Woodward. Hello. There were about four episodes of Going Deutsch between the last recording of A Thousand Hours and me actually getting around to editing it. So, super happy fun times. Yes, for the first time ever on this podcast we are recording this podcast on the day that the last one was released so if you've enjoyed the two-part episode eight um i don't know send us a message also this podcast is going to be out a lot sooner than the last one relatively speaking because alex woodward is going on holiday soon so he's going to get it edited very soon unless unless i'm distracted by the tour de france in which case maybe not well, I, to be fair, I can't blame you. I've been very distracted by the Ashes recently. I haven't wanted to watch cricket in years, and then this Ashes has just grabbed me. Fair enough. It's like baseball, that, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Go Giants! You could say that. <laughs> mm. yeah. oh, you get they hit it, it wrong, and then fast. it gets caught. That's how it's like baseball, isn't it? Yeah. Well, is that a description of England's performance? Alex may or may not choose to cut this, um, but as I was driving to work this afternoon, I was listening to day five of the second test of the Ashes on Radio 4 AM Longwave on my car's radio. Um, And they genuinely were comparing it to uh, baseball because 
apparently in baseball all of the fielders stand really far back and all they do is try and hit it really far and that's what they were doing in the cricket i mean in a certain aspect of baseball they they do that good to know that uh the people on radio for long wave are in fact correct about sports anyway shall we get into the football manager Sure. It's only taken us an hour and a half to start recording this podcast. Mm. Let's finally, finally get into talking about football. Manager. I, I'm on a, I'm Alex on a Tem- new laptop yes. because of that exact <laughs> reason. Yeah, that's how long it's taken to record this podcast. Alex Woodward <laughs> has left his house, gone to Curry's, bought himself a new laptop, come back and started again. Do you know? I'm joking. I could have genuinely <laughs> probably done that in the time it took me to fix yeah. my problems. <laughs> right. Anyway, Alex Sam Brown, what have you been up to in the last month and a half? Yeah, so um, last month and a half has been pretty busy, but yes, moving away from uh, upper class rounders to the tax haven of Liechtenstein. Um, <laughs> I last left. <laughs> I'm very proud of that joke, actually. Um, so when I last left you, uh, I had got Vaduz and Liechtenstein into a position where we were a we were a very good European side, and we were easily winning our league each and every year, and Liechtenstein had won the Euros. Now, after that episode finished, um, I don't know whether or not this was part of the episode, but either or, let's do a, we'll do a quick, quick fire review. Ever since we got promoted into the uh, Rifessen Super League, which was in 23-24, uh, uh, and ever since 25-26, we had always, in inverted commas, won the title. And I, I will start by going through the Vaduz part, and then I'll go through the Liechtenstein part, because that's what you're all here for, really. So, I left um, the last podcast after the 23-20... No, sorry. 2031-32 season. So many twos and threes, I can't, I can't keep up almost. Um, in the 32-33 season, um, and the, this is the only season I really want to pick out... Uh, as part of my Vaduz uh, Super League seasons is because uh, I got Vaduz to 107 points from 38 games 35 wins, 2 draws, 1 loss now because of Vaduz's special exemption I'm still not allowed to win the league which I was fine with really you know, know, being winning the league with 90 points yeah, you kind of get used to it but to get 107 and for the team who finished second which was Young Boys to get 67, so finishing 40 points off me, was was quite irking, really. Um, I, w- I was fuming at the fact we weren't allowed to at least get a special title uh, because of that. And Have Alex, you considered Alex becoming Swiss? <laughs> it's not an option. I can't just go to the board and just say, <laughs> oh, shall we be Swiss? It'd be, it'd be great. No, you just got to send... Um, like the Swiss president or whatever they have a very nice email asking them to invade Liechtenstein <laughs> with, with, with everything or, that's going on better yet, invade Switzerland invade Switzerland yeah, problem it's solved. all Liechtenstein we've now we've already talked about kidnapping <laughs> Swiss people on this podcast why not invade whilst you're at it yeah, <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's something Tom Brown said in the last episode it was going to be my yeah. recommended title Oh, do, yeah. do, you know, do you know what the worst thing is? If we're still doing this in like two, three years' time, we can't start making the jokes of oh, I'm being kip- kidnapping fifteen-year-old wonder kids from from Brazil or something like that. Because if you're doing that, save with a women's team, that comment gets easily the worst. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's so it wrong. Does. I think it's bad enough at the moment, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> um, also, actually, while we're on the topic of things we said last episode. Um, 
The phrase from last episode that we chose to use as the episode title for part one was Hopeth giveth, Hopeth cruelly taketh away. Uh, and Alex Tam Brown, would you like to guess who of the three of us said that? I'm not asking Alex Woodward because he probably remembers from editing. Yeah, I, I, I think it might have been me. Was it, it was you. Yeah. <laughs> it was talking about being smashed in the Champions League final, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 PSG. <laughs> PSG. Never forget. Mm. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Back to the 107-point the season. I was fuming because young boys actually finished closer to the one relegation spot that there is in the Rife and Super League than they did to me because the team who finished 12th, which was FC Sion, uh, got 31 points. I, I could have screamed. But either or, that doesn't matter. For 23 how many, four, how many wins, draws and losses is that? Apologies if you said this earlier, but... For for the relegated team or for young boys? No, no, for you, for 107 points. Oh, for 107 points, I had 35 wins, two draws, one loss. And the the, the one loss is a mark on, on my soul. Put it that way. Um, not bad. Not <laughs> bad at all. Not not bad at all, but you do, you know you get so close to an unbeaten season, you really kind of want it. Um, yeah. But either or, uh, twenty three, twenty four, we again finished first, and that's that's all you need to know. Three seasons covered, uh, and that becomes obvious as to why I've only done three seasons later on. So the thing that you're all here for is obviously the active cup, the Liechtenstein's version of the FA. No, I'm not really joking. We've of course we've won each and every single active cup since which means we've always qualified for for Europe so how did we do in i think it was the Europa League of 31 32 well we won it which was great which meant we could qualify for the Champions League in 2032-33 but who did we draw in the UEFA Super Cup Heidenheim PSG PSG <laughs> I was right. Me and Towles took two very different strategies with that question. He he <laughs> went for trying to guess. I went for Heidenheim. Yeah, I mean Heidenheim is always a uh, a good shout, I suppose. It's a great guess. It's a great um, guess. The UEFA Super Cup was played at the Estadio Cornella El Prat, which I believe is where Espanyol play. Please correct me if I'm wrong. But I can see RCD Espanyol in the little stadium mega pack that I've got. That no, very famously, Osasuna have RCD Espanyol written in their stadium. Yeah, of, of course. <laughs> but yeah, we, we, we got PSG in the UEFA Super Cup because they won the Champions League again. But didn't beat us that time, so I was very happy. And we won! We got revenge in the UEFA Super Cup. We won 4-3. Which, to be honest, was actually a sign of things to come. So, obviously, the Champions League has the new format, uh, 10 years in. Um, we did really well. So, we first... We had two uh, rivals to play in the in the Champions League group stage. We had to play AC Milan and then Internazionale, uh, both at home, first off in the Champions League, and which we won both games very comfortably. We then went away to Sturm Graz, won away to Rennes, won... Away to Barcelona, won, and away to Juventus where we drew. That left us in a very, very good position going into the winter break, and at which point we then had to play, believe it or not, Hibernian in, <laughs> in the Champions League. This was Hib's first time ever in the Champions League in the save. I did a bit of research, and they they weren't having a very fun Champions League phase. Um to the point where 
it's probably better that they didn't qualify, if you know what I mean. So they played a total of eight games, got one draw and seven losses, and finished with a minus 30 goal difference. And ten of those were from us. <laughs> we beat them 10-0 uh, at home. So they've travelled to the, the middle of Europe only to see their team get absolutely smashed. We then went to play Lyon the week after in our final Champions League group stage game. And I'm going to tell you right now, this game was wackadoodle. It was mental. It finished 8-7 to Vaduz. Don't know how, don't know why. We actually raced in to a 6-0 lead before half-time. At which point, after half-time, don't know what was said, but Evan Gesson and Antoine Duboc both scored hat-tricks to make it 6-all. Janine Oliveira stepped up, scored a 7th for us, only for us to get pegged back by Amin Bukta in the 77th minute, only for wild centre-back Stanley Labuti to get the 8th in the 88th minute. Are you playing a one centre back formation? No, no, I'm playing. I'm playing with three centre backs, but both. How two. how have you managed this? Like, like, so you say seven all in the Champions League, and I go fair enough. He's playing with one centre back, and then you say no, I've got three actually, and I'm like, what? I've I've got three, but two of them are wide centre backs on attack, so they just go flying up the pitch. It's basically one centre back again. <laughs> the more things the more things change, the more they stay the same. Can I just chat? Around, it seems. So, I might have misheard it. You said you played Leon, right? And won eight seven. See, if you told me there was a Leon game with fifteen goals in it, I would have assumed Skamaka had scored fifteen times. <laughs> but apparently, that didn't happen here, which is a shame. No, for once, this not. episode's probably coming out close enough to the last one that people will actually remember it. That is true. And get the joke. Fingers crossed. Yeah, Fingers crossed. Yeah, that'd be nice. So Fingers crossed. We won the the league phase. Technically, you know, you finish first. It's it. I'm going to give myself a little trophy for that. I think that's a good achievement, right? So we pulled Chelsea in our the second knockout round because we didn't qualify for that knockout phase before the final sixteen. We went to Stamford Bridge and won two one away, which meant a lead to bring home back to the Rhine Park Stadion. And it was very, very nervy. Arsene Zakarian opened the scoring for Chelsea and Alex Scott doubled their lead after 15 minutes. So we were already on the back foot. But luckily enough, Shaquille Martina, Gomezindo Bandera and Janini Oliveira scored within 15 minutes to make it 3-2 to us. Evan Ilsen scored a third for Chelsea, which meant that the game finished 3-3 and we advanced via a one-goal uh, deficit because of our win at Stamford Bridge. To reward us by getting past Chelsea, we pulled Liverpool in the next round. Same kind of thing happened again. 2-2 in the away leg, though, with Liverpool, so which meant we had to come back to the Ryan Park Stadion and win. And that we did. 4-1. Brilliant, brilliant win for us. But then... Uh, a famous uh, old friend came a knocking, and that was AC Milan, who we played first in the Champions League this season, and we absolutely battered them over the two legs. We ended up winning 7-2 on aggregate, and that meant we got to the Champions League final, and we played Mr. Inevitable himself, FC Bayern Munich, and... 
I was very nervous going into this game. Bayern have got a very, very, very strong team. Um, yeah, but they were more nervous. Well, I'm, I'm sure they were because we were actually playing at uh, Dortmund Stadium. <laughs> Don't know why, but that's where the Champions League final was. Good. Um, all those great amenities in the city of Dortmund for you know your average football fan to go and visit before the game. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, the, it's great. The, 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 I imagine that like twenty thousand Dortmund fans have bought a ticket to go and just just boo Bayern from the yellow wall. Well, the, the, the funniest... No fairness, the exact inverse has happened. Because yeah. Dortmund played the 97 final at the Olympia Stadion in Munich. So, it has so, happened before. You know. But the attendance for the game was 65,851. 49,540 of them were Bayern fans. <laughs> so we were very much in the minority in the crowd. But did it stop us? The Lordeth giveth, the Lordeth taketh away. I'm referencing again the old title. Like, that's not the exact quote I get. But we had no need to be nervous because we won 4 0 and won the Champions League for the first time in our season. Big win, big win. But because we had won the Europa League, or it's because we finished second behind PSG two years prior, we had qualified for the Club World Cup to be played a month after we had the Champions League final. So we went into the Club World Cup as the Champions League holders, technically. Um, and basically, the new format of the Club World Cup is that there is a group stage. And we got drawn in a group with Atletico Paranense from Brazil and Club America from Mexico. We won both games, advancing at top of the group. Brilliant. And it's, the only, and it's three team groups, so only the first team goes through that being said we then got a quarter final draw with PSG they just seem to keep coming around and trying to stop us at any point but we beat them again 4-2 at the Estadio Santiago Bernabeu because Spain think about how sad Emmanuel Macron yeah. is <laughs> Don't probably care not now. as sad as he is right now in real life <laughs> that's very fair oh, we're getting socio-political Ooh, here we go <laughs> But our, our, our quarter-final exploits were were nothing compared to our semi-final exploits, where we again played at the Bernabeu, but we played Manchester City this time, and we beat them 4-1. Ooh. So another final, a month after we got to the Champions League final. Admittedly, in the more obviously prestigious FIFA Club World Cup. Don't know, don't know why anybody would say otherwise. Um, but we pulled out Liverpool in the final, and this game finished 3-3. So that obviously meant we had to go to penalties. And the worst part about this is the fact that I had the season update day in the middle of the Club World Cup, so I'm having to skip between seasons to try and read you out the results. We, we managed to save ourselves, really, because we were 3-2 down with, uh, in injury time, but we managed to get a 95th-minute equaliser thanks to Lauren Klein. Remember the name. And in the penalty shootout... Because we scored all of our penalties and Kvitsa Kravitskelia missed and so did Ivan Silic, we took first, we won 5-3 on penalties to win the Club World Cup. Ding, 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 ding. Very happy hey. about that. So another, cha- another cheer goes up. And because the season basically hadn't ended for us, we, we, had played the champ- we got very far into the Champions League, which finished in the middle of June. We then had the Club World Cup, which started in the middle of June and went to the start of July. 
and we started our league season on the 24th of July, a mere 19 days after we last played in the Club World Cup. But that doesn't matter. Obviously, by winning the Champions League, we got into the UEFA Super Cup again, where we faced Manchester United and won 2-1. So that's another Super Cup in our under our belts. But And we had another Champions League season to go. We played Liverpool, Newcastle, AC Milan, Sevilla, Napoli, Borussia Dortmund, Besiktas and Ajax. We didn't do as well as previously we did in the Champions League. So that last season we did very well, this season not so great. We only finished 12th in the whole league phase, which meant that we had to play an extra knockout game. And that extra knockout game was against PSV Eindhoven, who we dismantled 7-2 on aggregate. Our run continued against Marseille, where we beat them 3-0 at home and drew 0-0 away to advance to the Champions League quarterfinals, where we suffered a 3-2 loss away at Tottenham Hotspur in the toilet bowl, because I refuse to give it its real name. But that meant we had to come back to the Rheinpark Stadion and win. And win we did. A 2-0 win got us into the Champions League semi-finals where we played, can you guess, PSG. <laughs> you didn't get a guess. I'm very sad. You I didn't need go to. Heim. You didn't need to. <laughs> they are inevitable. Um, but I had a you... whole bit where I was going to go with Heidenheim and Alex Woodward was going to go with PSG. If you'd have coordinated that, that would have been fantastic. Yeah. We, we planned this before. Oh. <laughs> we actually knew. All about you, say. Um, even though we've not talked about no, it. No, I know. And would, would check the chat on Zoom. We. I, okay, I'll <laughs> oh check dear, the chat. no! Oh dear, no! So, um, we then played the Champions League semi-final away at PSG, first leg, and we lost one nil. Not great. Bring them back to the Rheinpark Stadion, and mayhem ensued. Benjamin Sheshko opened up the scoring for them to double their advantage on aggregate. But from centre-back, and I don't know how, and I don't know why, Keith Martinez, uh, a young 20-year-old centre-back from Switzerland, scored four goals to give us a 4-1 win on the night and a 4-2 win on aggregate to put us again into a second successive Champions League final. This time played at the San Siro against Barcelona. Now, this was a very boring Champions League final by all accounts. Because it was nil-nil going into extra time. We scored first in extra time with Lauren Klein. Very happy. Only for Frankie de Jong to score right after half-time. What year is this? We are in uh, 2034. That means Frankie de Jong is like 30, 37. He is. He's 37. Um, Only for one of our other regens, Cabajata to give us a 2-1 win. Oh, say, I say a 2-1 win. I thought a 2-1 win. Only for the man we sold to Barcelona, Wilfred Willy Nonto, to score in the 120th minute. And the fact that he celebrated made me incredibly angry. Because that's what sent us to penalties. My anger against Willy Nonto soon subsided as he missed his first penalty for Barcelona. We scored all three of our penalties because Barcelona missed four penalties out of the five that they took, and we won 3-1 on pens. Another Champions League in the bag. 
and that is where the story for the does ends but obviously at the same time i was managing Liechtenstein, and i left you off the back of a uefa euros win against france at wembley a 4-2 victory with Adriano Onyugbule, Lauren Klein getting two, and Ambrogio Calabrese getting the fourth. What I didn't realise was the fact that because my under-21s team had been doing so well, we qualified for the Olympic Games. And as such, in our, in our Olympics campaign, we were drawn in a group with Burkina Faso and Argentina. We beat Burkina Faso 7-0 and we beat Argentina 2-1 to get out of the group. And the way the Olympics works is you play your group games, you then go straight into the semi-final and the final. Or at least it did in this... Wait a minute, no. No, I do apologise, I've got this completely wrong. Don't need to cut it out because I will just recap it. So, because the way it's showing up on my schedule, it's not showing up well... In the group stage, we played Uzbekistan and we played Canada. We beat Uzbekistan 14-0 and we beat Canada 13-0. And that's because all of our core players from the national side basically played in the under-23 side because it was something I wanted to win. We then went on to beat Burkina Faso uh, in the final group game and then we beat Argentina in the quarterfinals. So we're back up to sketch. Semi-finals come around and we have to play Brazil. And we get a 3-2 win thanks to a last-minute Lauren Klein goal. He seems to come up very much clutch in the final minutes of games. So the final of the Olympics played in Australia. We had to play Spain. And it was a 1-1 draw. Matt Fitzgerald, which is obviously the most Spanish name you could get, uh, scored for Spain and Lauren Klein scored for us. The penalty shootout was unbelievable pain because we went through 10, no sorry, 11 different takers because after the five we couldn't be separated. It went down to our goalkeeper, David Eckert, who scored our winning penalty to win us the Olympic Games for Liechtenstein. I will take all the applause again. But it, it doesn't end, I promise you, it doesn't end. Because we had... And Liechtenstein's only medal at the uh, 2038 Olympic Games was the football. So, in 2032, Liechtenstein had a Champions League winner, a Super Cup winner, a Club World Cup winner, a UEFA Euros winner, and an Olympic Games winner. And we then had to go and play our Nations League group as well, which we cruised through. We also had World Cup qualification starting in 2033 to go through. We also did very well in that. But the best part about winning the Euros was the fact that we got to play against Brazil in an exhibition match as part of... Does anybody remember when Italy played, I think it was Argentina, for that... uh, uh, It's where the Euros winners play the Copa America winners. Yeah, because of um, Maradona. We talked about it on the very famous, very long-running podcast, the Beautiful Game podcast. Yeah. We did, we did. Um, so we had to play that. R.I.P. At, uh, at if, if you're curious about what that is as a listener, uh, don't go and listen to it. It's bad. Go Oi! listen to it. Go I listen to it. I'm working to that. <laughs> yeah. Go so listen to it. all. It was so, yeah. fine. 
So we had to play Brazil in the Super Cup, and I am just currently getting some chewing gum out because my mouth is getting very dry. So we won the Super Cup, getting a 1-0 win over Brazil, thanks to Lauren Klein. And that was the start of a very busy June for us, because we also had the Nations League semi-final to prepare for, which after extra time, we managed to beat France 6-4. Kylian Mbappe almost put uh, an end to our hopes of winning the Nations League, but... Lauren Klein again stepped up getting four goals in that game which meant we had to go and face Portugal in our UEFA Nations League final and we won after extra time again and it was Lauren Klein again who won the game for us and another trophy into the Liechtenstein Hall of Fame cabinet basically. We cruised through World Cup qualification only dropping two points away at Cyprus don't even ask me how I don't know either But that meant we had to go and play in the World Cup, which was very, very good. Qualifying for the World Cup after our last outing, we were hoping, we were expecting. We've won a Euros, we've won an Olympics, we've won so much. Can we win the World Cup? We started off with, you know, you have to organise your pre-tournament friendlies. So we decided to get some confidence boosters and play against Bhutan and Anguilla before we started our World Cup uh, campaign because we were with them beforehand in the world rankings we only felt it fitting to return back to our counterparts only to prepare for what was going to be the biggest tournament in Liechtenstein's history we beat Bhutan 17-0 and the real interesting result was actually against Anguilla where we won 29-0 don't know how but I was very happy 29-0 29-0. Uh, Lauren Klein, by the way, got uh, 15. No, sorry, 16 of those goals. And I'm going to tell you what his career Thank you for correcting like. it because 15 didn't sound impressive, but 16 really did. I was trying to, I was trying to, I was trying to count it up as I was going along, and I always realised that I missed one off. So yeah, he got 16 goals against Anguilla, and we had. A group of Canada and New Zealand at the World Cup. Canada were dispatched 5-3 and New Zealand were dispatched 8-1, qualifying us for the second round where we played Chile. Right, and I'm, I'm not going to lie, this was a weird, weird, weird World Cup. Because in the second round, uh, Argentina got knocked out by Turkey, France got knocked out by South Africa, Paraguay knocked out Italy, and Japan knocked out the Netherlands, Algeria knocked out Germany, and that left us, the uh, the England team, Spain, Brazil, as the kind of the biggest teams left in the tournament. We did beat Chile, which was a very easy, comp- uh, very easy match, four one. Moving on, we then played Japan in the third round, which we won seven one. At that that point, England and Spain all got knocked out, which left Brazil as our only rival for the title. We played Mexico in the quarterfinal, dispatching them 3-2, as Brazil were knocked out by South Korea. So we knew that there was going to be a first-time winner of the World Cup. And after extra time in the semi-final, we managed to beat Denmark... No, sorry, not Denmark. We managed to beat South Korea 3-2, which took us to the final where we played 
Denmark. And in extra time, it was a very, very tense game. Um, goals going in sort of every sort of 15 minutes for the first hour of the game, and then that, that was it. Until the 112th minute, when Lauren Klein scored a 30-yard screamer to put us 3-2 up. And since there was no reply from the Danish team, Liechtenstein won the World Cup. My my purgatory is over. I I, I never have to think about... I never have to think about Verduz and Liechtenstein ever again. But to give you a sense of how mental this this journey has been. Uh, Lauren Klein, who was a, a young player that came through my Verduz Academy, I was told was going to be an absolutely impeccable player. He has played a hundred times for Liechtenstein. Do you want to guess how many goals he has scored? More than that. Like, more than a goal a game. More than a goal a game. What, what was it, 120? No, it's a bit more than 120. It what is was it? No, 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 no. What, what, What's the number of appearances? 100 caps. 100 caps, sorry. 100 caps um, as a time of recording, yeah. Yeah, 140. 203. Alex Towles is closest. He scored 210 goals <laughs> in 100 <laughs> games for Liechtenstein. <laughs> Seven off! Seven off! <laughs> wow. And I thought I, mean, I, I mean, was to being be over fair, the top. Like, to be... Yeah, to be fair, like if you're, if you're making use of like your games against like rubbish opponents, I am by scoring like <laughs> ten goals a game in them. Then, then yeah, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, he he is like when when you look at his coach report, he is really good in the important matches, and because of how Liechtenstein have been st- sort of steadily rising up the world rankings, every match has been viewed as important almost. So it's almost like that kind of big game player in him has always come out. And then when he plays against these little sides, he, he scores 15 or 16 goals. And it's quite, me- quite mesmerising, let's be, let's be honest. Um, his best season internationally was the season just gone, where in 13 appearances he scored 54 goals. Um, which is more than some players even get in, a, in an international lifetime for their, for their career. So Lauren Klein was... By absolute, the saviour of this save and what spearheaded Liechtenstein's assault on on international trophies. Um, and that is that is it for Verduz and Liechtenstein. I'm I'm never touching it ever again because it was so hard work because of you and the way I the both know worked. you're going to go out of your way to do something harder. Than that. He's like, oh, oh, it's such hard work, guys. <laughs> I had such a terrible time. 26 nil against that One champ won the World Cup with Liechtenstein. Won the I'm... Champions League 4 0 with Vudders. Shut up. The, Shut the, up. <laughs> the listeners won't be able to see, but I've, I've visually aged since taking this save on. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, it swings and roundabouts, really. Um, yeah, but that's also because you're just old. <laughs> that is also Truth true. Bomb. That is also <laughs> true. Um, it's it's funny that you mentioned about my my almost FM sadomasochism because I decided to to start on something which was wildly ridiculous. 
um, and that was I tried I was I was thinking about starting a Builder Nation series with Vizsla Krakow, of which um, two seasons in was going was going all right. I'd I'd won the league uh, the the league with uh, Vizsla, and they were in the second division, by the way. So I got promoted into the extra classer in Poland. Um, I lost the cup final to a, a mid-table second division side when I was in the second division. Um, so I didn't qualify for Europe. And when we came into the extra classer, our team had really matured. We were doing really well. Uh, and it got to the 17th of March, where we were comfortably, comfortably first, only for us to go on a streak which was to be to only be rivaled by streaky Lee Johnson really and this is where I fell out of love with Vizsla Krakow because we lost uh, one two three four five six games out of 11 and drew two and only won two no that's that's ten sorry we lost six one two drew two and you're gonna you're wondering, oh well, you know what what happened? You know, did you, did you still win the title? You said you were comfortably first. We were uh, until the final day, uh, where we were going in uh, top, uh, only for uh, Piast. I think it was was it Piast? No, I, I, no, it was Rakow uh, Cheskova. So. The way this was going, we needed to win to win the title. And we raced into a 2-0 lead against Radomiak Radom. And were there th- and Rakow Chestakov were breathing down our necks, but weren't winning at this time. It was also apparent to us that we could also finish third if things went really, really badly. If Pogon Shishenzin, I think I've said that right, also won their game and we lost. So we were 2-0 up and we thought we were going to win the title. Only for a crazy 10-minute spell to take us from first to third. As Radomiak Radon scored three, Pogon Szczesin scored twice and Rakow scored three times as well. So in the space of 10 minutes we went from winning the league in our first season back to finishing third and not even qualifying for the UEFA Europa League. We had to settle for a conference league place. And that was only because uh, Rakow won the Polish Cup. So the, trans- so the place for the Conference League transferred to, to the league, if that makes sense. So that's why I wasn't pursuing the Wiesler-Krakow save. And instead I'm going to be embarking on a, on a Leeds United rebuild, which you can you know get the real results and set a future start date, th- thanks to Sort It Out SI, um, and play from, say, the... the 20th of June 2023 so I will I will start with Leeds in the championship and build build a side I've already gone and done a transfer window um, and spoilers because I'm not going to talk about it I'm, I've already taken up enough time of everyone's listening um, talking about Vaders spoilers uh, everyone got sold um, just to, just to create money for the club but just like that is where life. yay <laughs> That that is where Yay! I'm gonna end my I'm, I'm gonna end my segment there for you because I'm I want to leave it on a high and not have to think about Vizsla Krakow or think about Vaduz and the stress it caused me. But I would like to thank everyone from Liechtenstein for o- opening their hearts to me and helping me win everything, just just everything. <laughs> well, that was 
Once again, an odyssey from Alex Tamp-Brown. Not quite as much of an odyssey as the last one. In fact, exactly two-thirds as much of an odyssey as last episode, <laughs> where we spent an hour and ten minutes sitting here talking about his saves. We've only spent 40 minutes sat here talking about his saves this time, but that's still long enough that I think we warrant a break. So let's have a quick break and then come back to discuss what I've been going up with in my one save that I'm still going on with in Taunton in just a sec. What a lovely break that was. I got another can of cider. Woodward got another... What are, what are you drinking, Woodward? Water. <laughs> like, a, like a rock and roll star. So you know it works. And Tamp Brown had a little puff of his vape. Now with flashlight. For some reason. Because <laughs> you've got to alert people to the fact that you're vaping. What? Yeah, it's, yeah. Got, it's got a little light on it. You, you know, like, like tall pylons have lights that flash at night. Yeah. That's the same purpose that a vape I, has a I, light I, I, I misheard Woodward. <laughs> That's... <laughs> I, I misheard him. But I'm drinking black sheep ale tonight. So nice. <laughs> moving on stuff. swiftly. Black sheep tail, if you um want to sponsor us, then get in line. The football manager will want to sponsor us first, surely. If if they had enough money to do so, yeah. <laughs> Either way, it's time for me to talk about Taunton. So when I left you off, uh, we were in February twenty thirty seven, and I know this because I checked. Uh, and we are now in June no, not July. June 2039. Just completed the 17th season of this save. That's a lot of seasons. It's a lot of seasons. Um, and so I'll take you back to where we were. So left you off in February 2037. The 2036-37 season finished with Taunton in 8th place. Uh, six points off of a... Europa Conference League spot. Um, Arsenal claimed that was 63 points. We finished in 8th with 57. 16 wins, 9 draws, and 13 defeats. Then, 2037-38, we finished in 9th. So we actually went backwards. This is the first time in the save we've gone backwards in terms of league position. Maybe? Yeah. First time in the save we've gone down in terms of league position. Um, we actually went up in terms of points, though. We got 59 points instead of 57, winning one more game, drawing one less in our 38-game season. And annoyingly, due to some weird quirk of the um, European places, uh, that meant that we again missed out on European football by one space. Um some weird thing about the way that the Champions League works means that the fifth team in England gets Champions League football, but only sometimes, which means that sometimes the eighth place team gets uh, the Europa Conference League spot. I, I, I can answer this one. I, the season where we didn't, the season where we finished eighth was one of, like, I don't know, maybe, like, three in the save where the 8th place team hasn't got European football, which I didn't realise for a little while. Go on, I, Tam Brown. I, I, I can answer this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, because I because of my long history with Vidas, it is down to the coefficient mm. got by the nation 
in the previous season. So the the nation where the teams have got the furthest in the Champions League, Europa League and Conference League and who get the most coefficient points assigned to that nation get an extra spot in the Champions League, which is why Vidal's sometimes qualified. Yeah. You would see an email at the end of your season, like it, it says the two teams who have been let in. Yeah, I, I have seen that email. I kind, of, I kind of put two and two together, but um, it took me a little while, and I, I didn't quite realise that the reason... I, I didn't realise it at the time, I've, I've realised it later, but yeah. So, we had two seasons of like being the nearly men, but uh, and I couldn't quite figure out why. It felt like we did really, really well against the 10, 11 teams who are worse than us in the league. But like the teams that qualify for European football just routinely beat us. Uh, and if we look in the 2037-38 season at our 13 defeats, um, they are Brentford away, Spurs at home, West Ham away, Villa at home, Newcastle away, Liverpool away, Man City away, Man United away, Newcastle at home, Liverpool at home. And then if it carried on, I assume it said more, more Man City, more Chelsea, more Spurs. Like I'm pretty sure we lost at home away to Spurs. To so the teams that finished ahead of us in the league were Spurs, Man City, Chelsea, Aston Villa, Arsenal, Newcastle, Liverpool, and Man United. And I'm pretty sure we lost at home and away to majority of those teams, which pain. The way we fixed that going into this season was I went back to an old tactic, actually. So you may remember that I play a 4-3-3 in this save. I play a 4-3-3 forever. I will only change it if we like get relegated or something obscenely stupid. But when we first started the save, I played it with a target forward up top, quite very direct, and a ball-winning midfielder at the base of my midfield. Then as we progressed through, I changed to an advanced forward up top first, and then that change took us from the National League up through to the Championship. And then in the Championship, I exchanged my ball-winning midfielder for a deep-lying playmaker for the championship winning season and in our first few seasons in the Premier League. The tactic which meant that we no longer got absolutely battered by the top teams was actually taking that deep line playmaker and making him a ball winning midfielder again. Um, and also exchanging the uh, advanced forward for a complete forward, which is just a better target forward as we all know. Um, so yeah, some I'm not entirely sure why that made us so much better particularly at home against the big sides um but it did it really did the job and in this season just gone we well i'm gonna walk you through it so we started out with an unbeaten august the first time we'd done that in the premier league four wins and one draw um with one with one of those wins being at home to Manchester United, a game that we one hundred percent would have lost in seasons past, and one of those and the draw being away to Newcastle again, as mentioned, we would have almost certainly lost that game in times gone by. So we were top of the table at the end of August, um, end of September, we drew twice to Crystal Palace and Nottingham Forest both away, and then beat Manchester City at home which left us second, frustratingly, especially considering 
we were ahead with 10 minutes to go against Crystal Palace. Not only were we ahead, we were 2-0 up away at Crystal Palace. They scored in the 81st and 93rd minutes to bring that game back, which sucked. But we did beat Man City 3-1 at home, which is a huge result. Um, we then had a few middling months where we played pretty well up to December. Uh, and and like in that run, we were pretty much in the title hunt. Um, with only three defeats, well, only two defeats, sorry, uh, one to Leeds, one to Liverpool, both away. But then in December, heading into January, across the Christmas period, we had a run of five games without a win, four draws and one loss, uh, which knocked us down the table and took us from the title hunt to the Champions League hunt, and we were not get back up into the title chase again uh we did recover in january picking up two wins at home to leeds and coventry but we lost to end the month we ended the month with a 5-1 loss away at west ham which was just me getting really annoyed like i don't know if you have that in football manager where you get annoyed and so you whack it on attacking and leave it on attacking even when that blatantly just means you're going to continue to get pumped but uh yeah that's what happened against west ham we went behind quite early 2-0 behind and i just stuck it on attacking and left it on attacking as the goal rain goals rained in against us fortunately though um we did start to pick up a run of form in the fa cup uh we hadn't done much in the fa cup in well any of the save before that um the furthest we'd made it in the fa cup previously was the fifth round in 2037-38 where we got knocked out away at Manchester United because as mentioned couldn't be a big team away from home for love nor money last year but in this game in this season we picked up a 4-1 win against Huddersfield in the third round 4-1 win against Norwich in the fourth round and then a 3-1 win against Everton in the fifth round to bring us through to the quarter final and that bring us brings us through February as well where we were kind of chasing the chasing the fourth Champions League place while also having a run in the FA Cup. And at this point, my, my attention kind of shifted because I realised that we weren't in the title hunt anymore, but we could get some major silverware. We could just about win the FA Cup. But our next game in the FA Cup was away to Wolves. And at this point, at the end of March, um, we hadn't won a game away since before that run of five without a win in December, our last win away from home came to Leicester on the 1st of December. And we were away against Wolves, who were also Premier League opposition. It was nil-nil after 90 minutes, but in the 107th minute, Juan Sebastian Galliano scored the goal that would send us through to the next round. Uh, our next round match, the semi-final would be against Manchester City, which is a tough game. Pretty rough game for the semi-final. Um, we went with our new formation that works really well with the um, with the ball-winning midfielder and the complete forward. Uh, and it started off pretty badly. We went 1-0 down in the first half, and then they came in at halftime, and I, basi- I gave that team talk that is... Um, it's unlucky that we're 1-0 down, but I have faith we can earn a draw from this, like the one that about being underdogs. And I also switched us from a balanced mentality to a positive mentality. And we went out in that second half 
and we put two past them to win the game 2-1. Uh, in the league, in April, we won one. We won one at home, lost one away, and drew one away, uh, which was painful, especially considering the game that we lost away uh, was only a 1-0 defeat, but it was a loss to Arsenal, the team that were next to us in the Champions League places and knocked us out of that fourth spot, a place that we would never again recover in the season. But after that, we didn't lose again in the in the season. We drew a 0-0 at Wolves, then 0-0 at United, before three wins to end off the Premier League season at home to Nottingham Forest, Newcastle and West Brom to end off the season in fifth place with 72 points so we only lost six games over the whole season which was only one more loss than eventual champions liverpool but the problem was we drew 12 times they are one of only four teams to draw more than 10 games in the season but what really throws this into stark relief is our home and away records when you compare them Right. I, I've I've seemingly figured out how to win against the top sides at home, but away we're not quite so good. So in the thirty-eight game Premier League season, our home record was one seventeen, drew two, lost zero. We had a unbeaten home record in the league. Our away record, tam- um, you know what? I'll give you guys a guess. Uh, well, I, I've already told you how many points we got. Can you do the maths? How many away games did we win? I wasn't really paying enough attention. Because something came up. Well, up. then have a guess. Of 19 away games, how many did we win? Zero. Eight. Three. We won three away games, drew ten, and lost Oof. six. Compared to a home record of one seventeen, drew two, lost zero. Yeah, that's pretty stark, and I have no idea why. Ninety two, ninety three leads. Wow. Something happened in December where we didn't win an away game between in the league between the first of December, where we won one nil away at Leicester, and the last game of the season, which we won two one away at West Brom. Which is just that is, that's absurd. That's wrong. That is that is just wrong. <laughs> like if we have <laughs> like even a marginally better, like like if we'd won five more away games, then we would have been in the title hunt. But like like if if we'd had like even a remotely mid-table away performance, we would have been in the title hunt. But it it. It's weird how much you seem to be morphing over Zoom into Lee Johnson. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's very odd. I mean, it's not streaky. Because, like, it's, it, it's, I mean, it's, if anything, it's incredibly consistent. Very consistent winning at home. Very consistent not winning away from home. <laughs> but the streak, there's, there's a huge streak in your away form. <laughs> What is consistency <laughs> if not an incredibly long streak? See, exactly. I was going to be far kinder. I, uh, I kind of compared you to Howard Wilkinson earlier on with with that sort of disparity between your home and away form. So, yeah, that's that just sounds fun. Sounds fun. But but Lee Johnson is a lot better looking than Howard Wilkinson. So Take I, that I back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
mean, it's never. true, but never. take it back mm. anyway. Uh, I think the most painful point of the season was in early March, where we had two games back-to-back against 19th-placed Leicester and then 20th-placed Brighton. Uh, we played Leicester at home and then Brighton away. Uh, we beat Leicester 4-0 and then lost 2-0 away at bottom of the table Brighton. <laughs> before immediately going, uh, before immediately welcoming uh, top-of-the-table Liverpool to our place and beating them 3-2 at home. I, I believe that is the perfect example of the dichotomy between our home form and away form. I have no idea how we've managed this. Honestly, I have no idea how to fix it. I think my solution is just going to be to play the ball-winning midfielder formation a bit more often. Like, um, I was... Do you play the same formation home and away? No. So, I would... I, so, kind of. I, I'd say... my So, my home games, I play attacking forward, deep-line playmaker, really patient, short football all the time in every game. Apart from against big six sides in which I play my ball-winning midfielder formation, and that works really well against them at home. So Away I... from home, I, it's about 50-50 whether I play deep-line playmaker or ball-winning midfielder, and I'm always bad. So how are you going to the games? Like, is it coach? Is it train? Is <laughs> Are you... Are you using certain caterers when you go to away games? Dodgy lasagna? What's, I'm going to fire going my um, private plane company. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> oh, no, you can't be using a private plane. You, you deserve it. If you're using a private plane to go around the UK, come on. The vast majority of um, Premier League clubs are, but this is no. If PSG can't do it, or PSG <laughs> can and they shouldn't be, but you know. Either way. Just get the Eurostar to Paris. Fran- uh, France way, is big, the- as anyone who's tried to get around France can tell you, like me. Yeah. The-, the point is that the difference between our home form and our away form is incredibly large. And the difference between me and winning the Premier League with Taunton is fixing that. How I'm going to fix that? No idea. I might just play the ball-winning formation, ball-winning midfielder formation in every away game and hope that I just come out nil-nil in all of them. Uh, but that didn't go very well last season, so... Pfft, Have you thought about lying to your players and telling them the game's at mm. home? The, the the worst part is a lot of the time I'm losing these games like from winning positions. Like We went 2-1 up away at Chelsea, and they came back to draw 3 all. We mentioned the 2-all um, draw away at Palace, where we were 2-0 up in the 80th minute. Um, the... Blah, 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 blah. 2-0 draw against... 2-all, two, two sorry, draw away at Southampton is even worse than the Palace one that I've only just remembered. It was the 88th minute when they were... So we were 2-0 up until the 88th minute when they scored, and then they scored in the 94th to equalise. We've just been absolutely shafted away from home. But anyway, you may remember that we were in the FA Cup final. Yeah, that's a thing. Uh, I, I, I've taken the tangent away from it, but we were in the FA Cup final uh, against Aston Villa, who, as mentioned very briefly when talking about the teams were, that were above us in this save, are like top four, five team in the Premier League over the last five seasons. Their finishes in the Premier League in the last five seasons have been sixth, eighth, fourth, fourth, seventh. They're a good type. 
They're a very good side. Um, but obviously, having beaten Man City in the FA Cup semi-final, I was feeling relatively confident. Until in the 15th minute, they went 1-0 up. That was not very fun. Uh, I then went from my balanced, please don't lose, ball-winning formation tactic, ball-winning midfielder tactic, to a positive, please don't lose, ball-winning midfielder tactic, uh, which worked pretty well, and uh, got us back into the game as Alan Portillo, uh, who is a striker who I picked up for 13 million off Barcelona. You may remember him from last episode because I signed him about a month before we started the last episode. Brief overview, he's basically been rotating in and out as my um, like joint first choice striker. He's my first choice complete forward, whereas Nigel Hughes-Jones is my first choice advanced forward. Uh, but Portillo's got a bit more game time this season. He's just been in better form. Uh, so he got us the equaliser in the FA Cup final, which took us through to extra time. Uh, before this, I've taken off my star player, Ivan Janovic, because one, he's having a crap game, and two, he was really tired, so I took him off. Kane Hussein Tiknaz, I regret trying to read that, Aston Villa went ahead again in extra time in the 96th minute, but Juan Sebastian Galliano again equalised for us in the 103rd minute. You may remember him from getting the go-ahead goal in the quarterfinal against Wolves. Uh, for a little bit more context, Galliano is about my fifth choice midfielder, fourth or fifth, consistently on the bench, consistently comes on, but obviously incredibly clutch, it seems. Um, so that took us through to penalties. Would anyone like to guess what happened to our first penalty? Missed. Right, we missed it. Whoa, three points. No points. Oh, come on, no John. Points. you got to get in to get three points. One point. Nigel Hughes-Jones. Oh, his penalty taking's actually gone down. I swear Nigel Hughes-Jones used to have like 18 penalty taking. He's now only got 15 penalty taking. Anyway, he missed Deserves to only have 15 after that penalty. Yeah. Uh, and Villa, of course, scored their first penalty. Which was unfortunate. But, yeah. Then we went on a run where my goalkeeper, Mamadou Dabo, who has not saved a single penalty in this entire save. In his, He's been with me for two seasons now. He's not saved a single penalty. He saved three in a row. But we also missed one in that time. So then Villa scored, but it wouldn't have mattered if we scored. Who was on my fifth penalty? Have a guess. The man called Nigel, who you call Alan. No, he missed the first one. Oh, right, of course. Was it Portillo? No. Woodward? I'm trying to think of all the names. You've had, had you sold that defender who was really good at penalties? Yes. We sold him uh, to Newcastle for 50 Not million. him, Bam. No. It was Mr. Clutch himself, Juan Sebastian Galliano. Uh, he missed, sending us through to the... <laughs> To the um, sudden death. Sudden death. So rounds, very English. Um, of which the first two were scored, but then we saved the next one, and Dragon Markovic scored, winning us the FA Cup. Hey! Hey! So big up the peacocks. That's for the record. Mamadou Dabo 
who had never saved a penalty in two seasons before then, and believe you me, we'd faced quite a few, we're not very good defensively, saved four in the FA Cup final penalty shootout to win us the game. That, that's, that's pretty good. He, he will forever be a legend at Taunton, even though he's not even on the pa- favoured personnel in-game. I, I feel like saving four penalties in an FA Cup final penalty shootout should immediately put you on the icons list. Apparently, football manager doesn't quite feel the same. Either way... Disgusting. Like, our side's interesting because we haven't actually sold anyone, really, since we last spoke. So if I... Like, that's the story of the team. But if I go to the transfer history and I walk you through, like, the players in the team... Like, we were last... I was last with you in the 2036-37 season. Like, so we sold, like, a few players at the end of that, but no one, like, major. Oh, yeah, Mike, Michael Stickland left for us green on a free, but we knew that. Like, the biggest sale, genuinely, in the last few years has been Oscar, who is my... Who, for a long time, was, like, my backup defensive midfielder. And never really got a mention other than the fact that I picked up a championship standard midfielder off Manchester City for 300 grand, which is a pretty good deal. Then he played for us for six seasons and we sold him to Nottingham Forest for 17 and a half million. So we are dealing. Go. But like, we haven't made any major sales. Our star players who you'll remember from last episode, uh, Miguel, Angel, Jamie. So just Jamie. He's still kicking about at the centre-back. Jose Manuel Ortega is still kicking about in midfield at 24, even though everyone in the entire world wanted to sign him two seasons ago. We've still somehow kept hold of him. Ivan Janovic is still here, somehow. He is absolutely absurd. Um, also, he, he's in the Media Dream 11 now. That's how good he is. I've got a player in the Media Dream 11 of the Premier League in Taunton. That's how good Ivan Janovic is. He got... 12 goals and 7 assists with 5 player of the matches for a 7.24 average rating in our most recent season. He's pretty gosh darn good. Also, Nigel Hughes-Jones is a 2.5 star player who's worth 30 to £36 million. Pounds. So if anyone makes an offer for him, I'm probably going to sell him. Because I've got some pretty good wonder kids coming through. I've got another wonder kid me- Mexican centre-back called Loza, who's 3 star with 5 star potential. He's 19 and has played... 24 games in the Premier League for me this season. Out on loan, I've got Julio Calderon, who I bought for £775,000 out of Peru and is currently worth 20 to 25 million. He is as good as Janovic. No, not as good as Janovic. As good as Nigel Hughes Jones is already, and he's 19. He's basically just going to slot in as my starting striker next season. And I'm going to try and offload Jan- uh, Hughes Jones this summer. I've also. Brought in a star left back. Bruno Luiz has come in from Benfica. He's got five star potential and two and a half star current ability. Basically, I'm at the point in the save where I'm not just kind of trying to sign players to sell on for a profit. I'm actively trying to build the team that will win me the Champions League. I reckon Bruno Luiz will be there when we win the Champions League, for example. Um... Dusanino Escuto, who's a Brazilian midfielder who I don't think I'd signed. No, I, I brought him in in the summer of 2037. He's going to be here when we win the Champions League. He's really, really good. 
Luciano Albajaria is someone who I did sign before the last episode. Last episode he was on loan at Hoffen. Uh, no, last episode he was on loan at Hamburg in the Bundesliga, but he was really good. Then he came back and was really good in the Premier League twice. He got nine, 19 goal involvements in 35 games, even more than even Janovic. So he's pretty gosh darn good at 21. I don't, I don't think I've got much else to add. Oh, wait, no, there is one last thing to add. You know how I finished fifth? Yeah, I was very sad about that because I'd forgotten the European coefficient thing. So about two weeks after the season ended, I got through an email that said Taunton had qualified for the Champions League, and that made my day. Hey! 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 So that was fun. Going to be playing in the Champions League next season. Going to be playing in the Community Shield next season after winning the FA Cup. We're building the Taunton team that might win the Premier League. We're building the Taunton team that might win the Champions League. This save might actually be coming towards an end. It's such a weird feeling, isn't it, when you get to that kind of part of a save? Because I experienced it with the Does. You have a team that is is good for for where you are and getting it to that next level is is quite difficult to get get right isn't it like you've got to really think about your signings rather than just going i will take all of these 15 year olds and i will sell you all on for profit no matter whether you play or not whereas I mean, now you're kind of having to look in that 20 to 23 bracket aren't you to be honest, I'm still looking at the... Fifth, well, I, I'm not looking at 15 year <laughs> Don't say that! Don't say that! Welcome to the thousand hours out of context. <laughs> Twitter account, that's you it. can't it, see. That, so the that, thing about Taunton is I've never really I'm been looking at, looking at the 15-year-olds. Year olds. I've been looking at the 18-year-olds. Because those are the players who I pick up at the say. Premier League sides off for of free. Um, yeah. Uh, the best example of this, I believe, is Lottie Man Con. Or Cone. Uh, I brought him in like five years ago from Spurs. Like the, our first season in the Premier League, he came to me at 18, yeah, 2034-35. So four years ago, he came to me from Spurs for free. We've loaned him out ever since. And with one year remaining on his deal, he's just gone to QPR for £5 million. He didn't play a single game for me. And I believe that very much tells the story of my transfer um, transfer dealings. Uh, Aaron Fletcher O'Connell is another one. He wasn't quite with us for as long. Uh, he signed with us um, in summer 2037 for free from Arsenal. We loaned him to the Scottish League for a year, sold him to Norwich for £5 million the year after. We're starting to sell like um, squad players for a profit, which is very nice. While, while I'm looking at this transfer screen, um, I also signed a lad called Rui Stilgo, who is like the ultimate deep-line playmaker. Fulham just kind of had him on his on their bench, not really playing him. I brought him in, and he's immediately amazing. Though he did cost me like fifty million pounds. I was going to say now's a really good time for you to sell after winning the FA Cup and qualifying for the Champions League because your reputation will have yeah gone up. So all your players' reputations will go too. Like literally, as we were sat here getting ourselves ready for this podcast, I sold my backup left back who I signed out of Serbia for four million pounds. I sold him for fifteen million pounds. Which is an incredible deal, especially considering I've replaced him with the aforementioned Bruno Louise already. And that's it for part one of episode nine of A Thousand Hours. Thank you so much for listening. There is so much more to come, though. 
because we've already uploaded part two and in that part I talk about my Leon save and also the going Deutsch editor save as we see how the virtual towels, Tamp Brown, Woodward and Ted Lasso all do. So please stick around for that episode, I hope to see you then, but for the time being, au revoir.